And like we do on Sundays, our COVID method of giving, your electronic device will now be taken over by whatever system we have in place there. No, you'll see it. There's a, guys will put up a text number if you don't have that, how you can give online. But again, you can always give the old-fashioned way, just drop it in the agape box in the back there, or mail it into the office. But thank you for your faithfulness in giving. It's really good to see how many married women are here today. Because I warned you last week, didn't I? Or did I only do that in second service? That we'd be talking about that big S word, submission, today, right? Most men probably got up really early, said, oh, you know, your wife probably asked you, honey, why are you ready to go? Oh, was, uh, did I get ready early today? I, I, oh, I didn't want to be late. want to make sure I got a seat up in the front. We don't normally sit in the front, but let's sit in the front today. Would you like to sit in the front, Pastor? Yeah. <laughs> now, 1 Peter chapter, we're going to pick it up in verse 3 this morning. Uh, I've got in my notes here from verse 13, but I'm going to pick it up actually so you guys know in the back there. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 1, and uh, we'll read verses 1 through 6. It's, we're in a little series here in the book of 1 Peter called Hope in the Dark and how to navigate uh, these difficult situations in life, and especially during COVID, but it's a timely message as Peter was writing to um, believers that were dealing with uh, tremendous persecution, uh, a lot of suffering, things going on in the world that kind of uh, parallel things that are happening uh, in our world today. So it'll minister to all of us, and there's something for each and every one of us along the way. Um, I titled this in speaking about submission today. It just seemed kind of fitting. Uh, the title of this message on submission is You Can't Make Me. Okay. I, I just thought that just seemed to kind of express the sentiment exactly. But uh, we'll read this together in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. We'll pick it up there and we'll read through verse 6 and then take a moment and uh, pray. That's what we'll do today. 1 Peter 3 1, it says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Let's take a moment and pray. Fathers, we study your word, I, I pray that, uh, Lord, I would communicate it the way that, Lord, you would uh, desire it to be communicated, that, uh, Lord, it would be truth, that it would be gracious, and, uh, Lord, it would be seasoned with salt. Uh, I thank you for the, the wives, the, the women that are here. Um, Lord, many of them I know personally, and I know their, their love for you and their devotion. Uh, they're married to their families, to their husband, and to, the Lord, the single women that are here today, their, their love and devotion, submission to you as King of kings and Lord of lords. And we just thank you, Lord, as we study this. And it doesn't just apply to women, as we'll see. It applies to every person here. It just This is the text this morning. 
Lord, next week as we will talk about submission for husbands and how that works in the life of a man. And uh, we'll hit on it a little bit today. But Lord, we pray that uh, you would again, by your Holy Spirit, speak to each and every heart here. And I do just want to lift up those that, Lord, I know that are here. Kevin, pray that, Lord, you'd touch his body. For Lorna, God, just touch her heart today. Bring her peace and comfort. And, uh, uh, Lord, those that are, that are hurting, uh, Lord, that are just going through tough things, uh, God, be, be with them today. Uh, for Nita, um, I know that uh, her mom uh, was ready to meet you. But, Lord, it's always hard, uh, Lord, when we lose somebody that we love. And may you be her peace and her comfort and her joy. And uh, again, every heart here is, is dealing with something. And, and Lord, thank you that you know full well. Uh, and Lord, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're with us today. And we pray that, uh, Lord, we would just look to you for all that we would need today. We love you. We love your word. And now we, we ask that you would transform our very lives as we study it together, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, you know, when you look at this text... Um, it's kind of interesting, you know, I, I promised you, like I said, we were going to talk about uh, the word submission here, but it conjures up, you know, for all of us, different, you know, thoughts and emotions, you know, both men and women. You know, I, I can recall a number of years ago now, and it was a long, long time ago, okay, this was way back in the day. Um, there was a guy in our church, and he brought me this book. He wanted me to read it, but I didn't want to read it when he brought it to me. Um, it was a book by P.B. Wilson. It was titled, titled Liberated Through submission. And uh, he was giving it to his wife for her birthday. And uh, I, I tried to counsel him against doing that. He did that. And for the record, I just want you to know they're no longer married. And I mean that, you know, they, they aren't. And, uh, and it was just one of those things where I'm going, you don't need to give her this book. And he was like, you know, she needs to read this book. And I'm like, she might need to read this book, but you need to let God lead her to want to read that book. You should not buy that book for her. And it's part of what was the thought in my mind as I was praying about this this week is you can't make me do it. That's the kind of the, the, the thought that comes with that. And so, you know, you hear a message as a, as a guy, as a man, as a husband, you know, on submission. And it's like, you know, yeah, you know, tell her, Pastor Mike, tell her, you know, you know, uh, I'm not going to do that because I'm not taking it for the team, you know, in that regard, because uh, it's, it's, you know, contextually, that's the text today. But if we studied this in context, it always begins with the husband. Everything about the leadership in the home, you know, I, I think about, you know, the, the, we talk about the gifts of the spirit. And I, I think I just wanted to share this on the front end. You know, um, this is October is, is Pastor Appreciation Month, and we're appreciating all of our pastors, you know, here in the life of our church. And, uh, and one of the things that we always talk about is, is the gift of leadership. But in the truest sense, I mean, leadership is a gift. It's really interesting. There is, there is the supernatural gift of leadership that God bestows upon a man or a woman. But really the truest gift of leadership is the gift that the congregation gives to a pastor. It's the gift that a wife gives to her husband to follow their lead. Because that can only take place through willful submission. And it's something that we're to cherish. And it's not something, again, as scripture says, you know, not to lord over people or, or to do it in a harsh way, but to do it in a, in, a, in a very loving way. And I thank God for all the shepherds that we have, you know, both, um, you know, on staff and not on staff that just love our church and, and exercise that gift. But I thank God for you as well, because 
there would be no leaders unless there was somebody who submitted and who willfully followed. And scripture talks a lot about that, of not making our lives as pastors difficult, you know, by just always fighting against, you know, everything as opposed to just going, you know what I'll do is I'll pray for you. You know, if you really want to see something happen is let's be a people who pray, you know, let God move. Amen. And so, you know, I know that uh, this word, like I said, can, can cause people to, to struggle, but really it, it's not exclusively for women. Uh, it, it's a mutual, you know, teaching in, in God's word. It, it covers both men and women here. Um, you know, again, it, it's a beautiful thing, you know, when you look at it um, from a biblical perspective. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can see Jesus and, and submission are, are synonymous. And, and as he lived his earthly life, you know, here's some examples I'll give you from David Guzik's commentary on First Peter about submission. It's kind of just to kind of set this, the tone here, and we can wrap our minds around it. Um, Jesus submitted to his parents. We read that in Luke 2.51. The demons submitted to the disciples in Luke 10.17. Citizens should submit to the government authority. We see it in Romans 13.1 and, and 5 and Titus 3.1 and 1 Peter 2.13. The universe itself will submit to Jesus, 1 Corinthians 15, 27, and Ephesians 1, 22. Unseen spiritual beings submit to Jesus, 1 Peter 3, 22. Christians should submit to their church leaders, 1 Corinthians 16 and 1 Peter 5. Wives should submit to their husbands, Colossians 3, 18, Titus 2, 5, 1 Peter 3, 5, and Ephesians 5, 22 and 24. The church should submit to Jesus, Ephesians 5, 24. Servants should submit to their masters, Titus 2.9, 1 Peter 2.18. And Christians should submit to God, Hebrews 12.9 and James 4.7. So when you, you hear that, you understand that submission is not an exclusive term to marriage and what a wife should do unto her husband. It's all inclusive within the Christian life. You know, the Apostle Paul, in teaching specifically on marriage, you know, I want to invite you to turn to, with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And he, he reminds us in this, and it's a great, you know, passage, because today we're going to be talking about women and in submission, and next week we're going to talk about men and husbands with regard to submission. And, and so when you look at Ephesians chapter 5, you're going to see a consistency and a continuity throughout Scripture. Anytime you study the Bible, it's not like it's going to say one thing one place, and then it's going to contradict it and say the very opposite uh, in another place. And one of the interesting things about submission, everything I just read you from that list, not ever are those reversed, which is good for us to understand. And know what I mean by that is everything with regard to submission stays that way. It's not like people go, oh, that was cultural. You'll hear that argument when people don't like something necessarily that they read in scripture. Oh, that doesn't apply to us today, Pastor Mike. That was cultural back then. Well, that can be in a lot of things, but it cannot and it never is with regard to submission. Every time that you read those passages, and I'll encourage you to go back and study those, they are never reversed. It's not like somebody says, well, they're reversed when you come to Christ. No, no, that's when they actually came into being is when we came to Christ. Everything came in order. What we have without Christ is what we're seeing in the world today. It's called what? Disorder or anarchy those things that happen when we aren't living in submission to the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 5, look there in, in verse 18. You know, because if, if someone was to, you know, ask the question today, you know, what is the key or the secret to a great marriage? And it's really one word. It's the word submission. 
if husbands would submit to their wives and wives would submit to their husband, guess what? We would have harmony. We would have peace in the home today. It's only when there's rebellion, when there's resentment that wells up. But look at this in Ephesians 5.18. It says, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. It says, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the foundation of Christian living. You know, to be under the control of the Holy Spirit, it, it means to be moved along. See, one of the things I love about this, when you study the Greek language, you know, when you think about being filled, that word filled there, again, it, it's not speaking of something that's stagnant or, or static, you know, like a cup of water, like this, this in the true sense, this is, this is stagnant or, or static. It's not moving. The impression that we get, and that's why the Greek language is so beautiful when you, you, you understand the rendering of that. It, it's really speaking of, you know, how we think about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, you know, that when he's talking to Nicodemus there in John chapter three, he said, you know, you don't even know the flow of the Spirit. So what he's, Paul is talking about, being filled with the Spirit is like the filling of a sail. Think about like a, a sailing ship and then it can be static, right? Then all of a sudden the breeze comes up and what does it do? It fills the sail and then what does it do? It moves the boat along. And it's kind of like our lives are that way. When you go, yeah, it, it's never intended for it to be static in our life. The flow of God's spirit to be filled is to move us. It's to do something. See, it's again, what we're, we're talking about today with submission is it's not a, just a word. It's not just a thought. It's an action. Matter of fact, Peter will write in chapter three that through your action as a woman, think about this, you know, because in this writing, when Peter was writing to the church there in the first century, women were possessions. Whatever your husband believed, for the most part, that's what women believed. That's what women did. And so when Christianity came along, women were breaking away from the religious norms because they were coming to Christ and they were experiencing for the very first time liberty and freedom. And so they were going, well, what do we do? I mean, remember, you know, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, you know, the women, you know, that what they were doing is yelling across the church. You know, the women sat on one side, the men sat on the other. And she go, honey, what, what's he saying? You know, and you go, now today, what do we do? You sit together and you go, what is he saying? I have no idea. I don't know. You know, you, I thought you'd know, you know, you're taking notes, you know. But uh, again, so here's, here's Peter going and reminding us, you know, that, again, you could come to a place where, I forget how I wanted to explain that to you. <laughs> we'll forget it. <laughs> what, what'll take place when you think about, you know, again, how submission was working there, is they would come to Christ. And they didn't know what to do because their husbands hadn't come to Christ yet. So there, things for them were out of order. They were going, so what do we do? I mean, and, and there's still this struggle even today. And we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more as we get into this. Is they're going, what do I do? My husband isn't a Christian. And, and Peter would say, well, you can win him by what? Not your words, but by your actions. You know, just living out Christ in your life. Actions, what's that old expression? Actions do what? Speak louder than words. And that's what Peter is affirming here. And so as he starts out, when we talk about submission, it begins by, you know, this understanding for both men and women. This is what Ephesians 5, 18, be filled with the Holy Spirit because it is virtually impossible to live a submissive life without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, you might pull it off once or twice, you know, 
because it got you something. It was a form of manipulation, but you can't live it out on a day-to-day basis, male or female here. And so, again, we looked at in verse 19 in Ephesians 5, it says, the out, this is what I love about as we're studying Peter, remember? As Peter starts off that we're elect of God and being elect of God brings us into a relationship with God, right? And out of that relationship flowed what? This desire for holiness, be holy as God himself is holy, right? And then then what? A reverential fear begins to well up within you. So these are kind of like little check marks, you know, I was sharing with you last week, you know, A plus B equals C type of situation is that you go, okay, and then what do I do? Well, then uh, all of a sudden I start, I start loving people. Why? And you go, because God loves me. Those who forgive much do what? Jesus said, they love much. And then out of that love comes what? Our function, our giftedness, you know, is what we find in in chapter two. You begin that priestly duty to pray for other people to begin to allow God to work in and through your life. So Peter's mapping this out for us here. Paul's doing the exact same thing in Ephesians. You can't live the Christian life without being spirit-filled. You cannot live a submissive life as a husband or wife without being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you go, so how would I know? I mean, because people go, well, I prayed, Pastor Mike. You know, how, how am I going to know if, I, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, just like Peter said, There'll be a desire for holiness in your life. There'll become a fear of God, not not fear of his judgment any longer, but fear of what? Displeasing him. And then a love begins to well up. You go, wow, all of a sudden, like I shared with you, you you can't hate those that you pray for. And that's that priestly function. As you start to function within the things that God has called you to do, he gives you a love for people, even your enemies. And you go, well, that's not happening. You know, then you go back to what Pastor Chuck Smith used to say all the time. If there hasn't been a change, then what? There hasn't been a change because the change is automatic. And so Paul's saying the same thing. This is what'll happen. When the Holy Spirit fills your life, you'll desire and you'll begin, he says in verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to who? To the Lord. You're singing to the Lord. You've come into relationship with him. You now have a desire to worship the Lord. That's what Kevin was sharing today. It's like, man, I'm in pain, but you know what? I just need to be here. I need to be around my brothers and sisters. I need to worship God. It's a wonderful thing. He said, and then what happens? Well, you can, Romans chapter one, you want to see right away and you can just look at the news, turn it on today, look around. And if there's a demarcation for the world today, it's what? Ingratitude, right? Romans chapter one, when did judgment come? in all of its forms, when there was no longer a grateful heart. And we need to pray constantly, God, make me thankful. Because when you cease to be thankful, you can look around and you can see what happens in the world today. There's so many people who are ungrateful to God, not happy for the way God is wanting to do things. So they want to do it their own way. You know, like the world is Burger King, you know, so to speak. He says, and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 21, doing what? It says, you know, then submitting. And there's the key. Submitting to one another in what? In the fear of God. The same way that we're asking, you know, a, a wife to submit to her husband just to, unto the Lord. It's submitting one to another in the fear of God. 
because of our love for him, our fear for him. So you see these parallels between Paul writing in, in Ephesians and, and Peter writing there in 1 Peter. Because being filled with the Holy Spirit is the evidence you know, that we have a relationship with God. And that evidence is what? Our worship of God. Singing, praising God, giving him thanks. And then, you know, again, you th think of the Ten Commandments, how these are so consistent. You know, the first what? Four commandments deal with our relationship with God. The, the remaining six deal with our relationship with one another. Paul here in Ephesians 5 talks about what takes place when you're filled with the Holy Spirit is this attitude of your heart of praising him, thanking him, and then ultimately what, what grows out of that? Submission. Actions. James talks about the same thing. Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith what? By my works. Does it make sense to you? And so submission in the truest sense is the outgrowth of being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all that it is. It's not something that's set aside or, you know, off by itself. It's just the outgrowth of God working in our life, men and women alike. It's not, you know, exclusive. This isn't, you know, it gets a bad rap. It's not women only or exclusively here. And again, you think about, you know, what it is to be submissive. It's the opposite of being prideful. It's not being out of control. That's what we're seeing in the world today. We know that the world is not spirit-filled or spirit-led or spirit-controlled. It's out of control. That's what we're seeing in the world today. And it's why we're praying for what? For revival. We need to be revived, amen? Being brought back into a proper relationship with God. The Greek word, and it's really an interesting word for submission here, is hupotasso. It's spelled H-U-P-O-T-A-S-S-O. -S -S Two words. It's actually one word in a compound. Tasso means to arrange, to place in order, okay? And then hupo means under. And so it's, it's a military term here, and it means to rank yourself under those who have responsibility for you. It's such an important word because there, there's, there's an attack against submission, biblical submission, because it does place the man in authority over the woman. So there's many today that in the feminist movement who try to take that word and go, well, that's not the word. And you go, well, it's that word. It's hubotasso. It's never going to change. And if you study Greek language, it's used in every fashion and form, and it means the same thing each and every time. It means to place yourself under, here's the key word, authority. You know, because what people will do is they go, well, what it's talking about is not the word authority. Really what it's talking about is origin. That yes, we can't deny that women, you know, was taken from a rib from Adam, but it's not really, you know, about authority. It's just her origin. You know, no. and that's the beauty of the Greek word. I think God was, you know, he, he knew full well why he chose the Greek language, because it, 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 the definitions are so exact. And so when you study that from not just in the Bible itself, but just in Greek language as a whole, again, it's perfectly clear that he's talking about authority here. And again, you see it all through scripture, how it's played out. Jesus, we, we read about in Philippians chapter two, verse one, it says this, it says, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, and any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy, says being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. So it's talking about being this mutuality here. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem what? 
others better than himself. Let each of you look out what? It says not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself. What did he do? He submitted himself. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Yeah. Not looking out for your own interests, but the interests of others. Is that pretty safe to say that's what Jesus did? Yeah, that's what Jesus is doing. He's the model of what submission is. And again, 1 Corinthians 16, 16 talks about submission, you know, in a, in a general sense, in a general way of life for the believer, that we're all called to submit to one another. We're called, and again, it's marked by obedience. Jesus said it best. He said, if you love me, he said, you'll do what? You'll obey me, right? If you love me, he said, you'll keep my commandments. It isn't, he said, what did he tell the Pharisees? He said, you profess with your lips, right? He said, man, you guys are in church every week and you're singing from the top of your lungs. I mean, you can be heard. He says, but you profess with your lips. But he said, what? But your heart, your heart's far from me. Yeah. That's why I said, we think about submission is, is truly a gift that we give to one another. It's what brings harmony into a relationship. It's what brings order. And you think about it in the truest sense. Is it safe to say, and I put this in my notes, that obedience has always marked the life of the children of God, whereas rebellion is a sign of unbelief. Would you agree with that? Rebellion is a sign of unbelief. It's challenging the authority, right? Rebelling against something that's known. That's what the world is doing today. And that's why there's no harmony. You can't have harmony where there's rebellion. It takes submission, mutual submission. We were talking about, you know, our police. I think in Bakersfield, we have... 250 Bakersfield City police officers for a population of what? A few hundred thousand? Do you think a few hundred thousand could overpower 250 people? And you go, yes, absolutely. The only way that it works is what? Through mutual submission, that we submit ourselves to the governing authorities. It, it makes perfect sense. But it's like, if you want to challenge, you go, yes, we could. And that's what we're seeing in some places. We saw this, you know, during... You know, these recent outbreaks in some cities, just total anarchy rising up. And you go, that can't happen, you know, where there's a spirit of submission because submission will always place itself by its choice under authority. It's what makes it work. First Peter chapter two, you can, you can flip back there. We, we read this last week. First Peter chapter two, verses 13 and 14 talks about submitting to government, right? It says, therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise of those who do good. God's ordained system. That's, that's what government does. First Peter 5.5, 5, it says, likewise, you younger people, it says, now again, now we're not talking about husbands or wives here, but he says, but you younger people, now, I don't know how to define that. Who's a younger person here? You know, yeah, all the older people we're all raising, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders, yes, 
all of you be submissive to what? To one another. There, there it is. It's, it's an act. It, it, only a spirit-filled person can submit. And he says, be submissive to one another. And it goes on, it says, with humility for God, resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So here, Peter's reminding us, you know, that, yeah, we're all to submit. We're to submit to the elders and the pastors of our church, not making their life difficult. You know, submission, humility, th those are wonderful qualities, characteristics. And when you think about, you know, in a marriage, you know, I ask couples all the time in premarital counseling, you know, what are you looking for, you know, in a man? Hopefully you're looking for a man that's submissive. Hopefully you're looking for a man who's humble. Because if you don't get that, you're going to have what? Somebody who's overbearing, someone who's proud, someone that's going to resist you as opposed to taking care of you. You know, men, for the most part, when you talk to men, you go, what do they want? Well, they want a, a wife who's submissive, who will follow their leadership. Want the number one complaint that men have when they come into the office, it's consistent across the board, is lack of respect. Because she doesn't respect me. She doesn't respect me. She challenges my authority. And usually the wife will say, he doesn't love me. Because she equates, you know, the lack of, of submission to her as a lack of love. And they'll base that on their knowledge of Scripture from Ephesians 5. Where it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You know. See, a submissive attitude is what makes a marriage work. See, I love that expression. It's a race to the bottom. That, that's what a good marriage is. It's a race to the bottom because Christianity is the world flipped upside down. You know, being submissive to my wife's needs, you know, that's what makes my marriage work. This, it's the same way, you know, we talk about marriage that God is a triune being. We have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So the Father is representation of himself, the Husband, man, is a reflection or representation of what in Scripture? Of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, we see in the woman. And it's a, it's a beautiful picture of how they, they form and they, they come together here. And yet, you know, for my marriage to work, I have to submit myself, as Ephesians 5 says, is to my wife. To what? To her needs. What are the things that she needs? That, that's what should govern my marriage relationship. It didn't say her wants, per se, but her needs. The same way that Jesus meets our needs, amen? Well, and what are the needs that we have, you think, in a marriage relationship? is security, right? There's protection. There's provision to provide. You know, Scripture says that a, that a man who doesn't provide for his household is worse than what? A non-believer, Yeah. Protection, provision. You, know, you probably think of all kinds of things that come with that. But that protection, you think about that. Jesus said, no greater love is any man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. I have yet to meet a woman who's not willing to follow a man who's willing to die for her. When, when you can communicate that effectively to a woman, you go, I, and I, tell them, I would do anything for you. I would give my very life for you. I'm not in your life to try to get something from you. I'm in 
your life to try to bring something to the relationship. That in my marriage, you know, again, my, my wife, for me, you know, just like you have your own relationship, is to meet her needs. And again, and to do whatever it would take to meet those needs. And when you communicate that, and that's communicated not just verbally through your words, but through your actions. And like I said, now, anybody can rebel. You go, but what does it do? Romans 2, 4 says, the kindness of God draws a man to repentance. I mean, like I said, someone that's loving you and caring for you and has your best interest in mind, you go, why would you, in the truest sense, why would you push them away? For the most part, you wouldn't. You would want to follow them. So what's the key to a great marriage? Submission. Husbands lovingly submitting to their wives and wives lovingly submitting to their husbands. Would you agree that selfish people don't make good marriage partners? Don't raise your hand, okay? They're just just nod. Don't look. Just lock in. Look at me. Don't look around, you know. You know, everybody submits to somebody, right? And, and again, and we're all in the true sense under the authority of Christ. Larry said it, you know, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So we're all bowing down. And again, we bow our knee, you know, to the Lord ultimately, but we submit ourselves in all kinds of situations. You know, Paul would say, I've become all things to all men that by all means I what? might win some. Yeah, submitting himself to one another. And he said he was a doulos, right? He said, I'm a servant, but it was a slave by what? By choice. You know, remember when Peter's writing this over probably half the population in Rome are slaves. So this word submission was something they were very, you know, they're very familiar with. But we, when we think about it today, you go, I'm not a slave. You go, but no, we're servants. And if we're going to be successful in life, we're going to have to learn how to submit and, and again, and I, and I would encourage you to write this down to remind yourself, submission is the evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you can't submit, there's a pretty good chance that you have yet to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Today could be that day where you pray that and you go, God, I need your spirit in my life. You know, now you can go, well, I'm saved. You know, I'm saved because of, of the cross. But that doesn't mean that you're filled. You're saved. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. You know, there is that distinct, you know, uh, encounter that we can all enjoy, you know, with the Lord. Again, uh, apart from our salvation experience where, you know, you recognize like that cup <laughs> that you're empty and you go, I'm more like that static cup, <laughs> stagnant, you know. And I go, God, I want to I experience the, what it is to be filled like a sail on a ship. Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to move us. He wants to move us to action, not just to thought but he wants to move us to deed. And when the Holy Spirit is working in your life, it, it's just automatic. It's just like you don't see, you know, we are here a motor on a sailboat, but you see it, you know, there's a, there's a gracefulness about it. There's a serenity. I don't know, you know about you, but I love, you know, looking at a, a really nice sailboat that's out in the ocean and it's just kind of gliding along. And if you've ever been on one, oh man, it's, it's, it is really serene. It's like being in a, in a hang glider, you know, I don't know if you've had that luxury, you know, before, but uh, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's just, there's no, you know, you don't hear any motors or anything. All you hear is just the wind. And it's just, a, it's just this, it's just a peaceful, there's just a, a tranquility about that. Humility and submission. 
And again, Paul establishes it, and it's good to go back and read this. He establishes that submission is not exclusive to the woman. It's mutual between the man and the woman, okay? It's so important that we see this. Paul begins, though, by addressing the wives. And you go, why? I can't remember who said it, but uh, he said, you know, submission, in trying to teach submission, uh, he said, it's like riding a horse, Somebody has to be in the back. I mean, it's just one of those, those things where there has to be order to it. You know, again, it's not that God's preferred, you know, the man over the woman. There is a mutuality between the sexes. We are one in Christ. You know, again, Ephesians 5.22, though, it tells us this. says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So I want to just take a moment here and you look at this word. You know, wives, it says, you know, submit, okay? You see that in Ephesians 5.22? You, you see that word right there? It's not in the original text. How many, there, it has an asterisk or it's in italics in your Bible. It's not in the original text. It, in the original text, it says, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. You go, but it, we'll find it in other places. Wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. Means to subject, you know, again, or submit, uh, again, it's not there, though, in the original text. And this is the, the passage that most you know, men will pound. So at least for you women, you can go, you know what, uh, honey, I just want to make something perfectly clear. It's describing that, but it's not in the text, technically speaking. Okay, If you just want to get this, it's really, honey, more about mutual submission that we read in the previous verse in verse 18. It's husbands submitting to their wives and wives submitting to their husbands. I know when I went in the hospital, years ago and, and had a stint put in, I had to sign my life over to my wife. Like they were going, you got to fill out this, you know, in the event that you can't make a decision for yourself, do you trust your wife to make the decision for you? And I was like, yeah. And, and they were laughing, you know, about it. They're going, you know, because they must deal with this all the time. But they're like, you know, okay, so do you know what you're doing? And I go, yeah, I'm trusting my wife that when I can't make a decision for myself, she, she'll make the decisions for me. And I'll tell you, until you've been in that situation, it's easy just to say that, but it's another thing when you're in that situation and, and the reality of that, that you go, wow, I'm placing my life in your hands. And I've, I've been at the hospital with people that have had to make those tough decisions. And I've been with people who wouldn't make the tough decision and said, you know, let's hold out a little bit longer. And guess what? The person made a rebound, you know, and you go, thank God, you know, because everybody else, you don't want to tell them that. You go, after they get better, you go, hey, I just want to tell you, you know, you, you got a really loving mom, okay? I mean, you, you owe her a lot, the debt of gratitude. I mean, matter of fact, you need to thank her because if it wasn't for your mom, you wouldn't be here. I mean, why? And you go, because pretty much everybody else in the room just said, pull the plug, you know, and they're going, really? Go, yeah, you know, and you go, but somebody believes, somebody holds out. And, and it's, it's submitting yourself with that kind of knowledge that you love me, that you'll care for me, that you'll take care of me. And again, so we see that it's mutual. You look back in Ephesians 5, look there in verse 1 and 2. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So he's not talking about the woman there. He's not talking exclusively about the man there. He's talking about one another. We're, we're called to submit one 
to another. Wives are just simply the first in the illustration here, okay? That, that's why it's important that you understand that and why I'm belaboring that point because it's been abused. It's been taken uh, out of context here. Again, Galatians 3.28, I shared this with you earlier. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So we know that in Jesus, we're, we're all one. Okay, I want to ask you something to my sound guys there. So when this comes up, like right now, I'm not seeing anything on my screen, but it was there a second ago and it disappeared. So my, there it's back, because I wanted to do this. We are all one in Christ Jesus, amen? There's no question in that. Men aren't preferred more than women. Women aren't preferred more than men. We are equal in Christ Jesus, I mean, you think about, you know, all the things that happen in religion and you look at some of the Eastern religions where women are just still to this day treated as possessions. I mean, the things, you know, second class citizen walking behind your husband, you know, uh, and you go and it's still culturally acceptable, but it wasn't ever in Christianity. It was Jesus who validated and valued women. And, and that's important that we know that because we're, it, Christianity in one sense is, you know, getting a bad rap. People just taking things out of context. And it's not, there, there's a beauty when we do things God's way. Because just look at the world today. Because, you know, when you think about what's taking place in America today, we see Marxism. You know, we see you know, communism. We're seeing, you know, when God's taken out of the school and the Ten Commandments are taken out of the courthouse, prayers taken out of school, you know, prayers taken out of society, gathering together becomes illegal. And you go, what? I mean, is it benefiting society? Is the world a better place today because of that? I think just look around. And you go, no, we don't have a mutuality. We don't have this caring for one. Now, there's a demand, there's entitlement, but there's not submission. You know, it's a beautiful thing when it's exercised. Colossians 3.18, here gives you another passage where it really deals with the the issue of submission. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So it's talking about submission there. It says, you know, that submission is fitting. Why? Because it's correct. It, it follows God's order. Submission is always part of God's plan. That's important to understand this. It's not cultural. It wasn't that something they just did back in that day. Okay. It transcends time here because why? It's spiritual because it's biblical. It will always be biblical to submit. It wasn't just, oh, they did that back then. No, that's what God, that's the problem that we have is we're trying to make something that's biblical that is for today. We're trying to put it back in time and just say, oh, that was something that they used to do back then. Well, if that was the case, we need to recapture that. You know, we need to go back. Again, 1 Peter, turn back there with me and we'll zip through this here. 1 Peter 3.1 you know, it says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. So he's telling wives there, be submissive to your own husbands. So he's tying this back together. So hear me on this. He's, he's bringing this back the way that sheep are to be submissive to the great shepherd that we read about at the end of chapter two, there in 1 Peter 2, 25, where it says, for you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You know, and here, this always comes up, you know, with women, they'll read this 
And they'll go, hey, you know, Pastor Mike, you don't know my husband. I mean, if I, if I listen to him, he'll mess up. I, I, can't, I can't follow him. He'll, he'll, he'll lead us astray. And, and Peter's very much aware of, of that, that thought or that concept here. Peter knows just because he knows himself, right? You know, Peter, you know, foot and mouth disease. He, he did it all the time. You imagine, and Peter had a wife. You imagine her? Oh, my gosh. You know. I mean, if you think the, you know, first lady, you know, struggles with, you know, the president and his tweets. I mean, can you imagine, you know, Peter's wife? You know, Peter, Peter. First oh. Peter 2, 18 through 24. Look what Peter writes. He says, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle. So you, you can apply this to, to marriage here. He says, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable because of conscience towards God. One endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your own faults that you take it patiently? But when you do good and you suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Being submissive, right? I mean, could Jesus stop it at any point in time? Absolutely but he didn't. Why? Because the desire, there's like Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in chapter seven, how are you going to win your husband or how are you going to win your wife? You can, you can demand your way. You can demand your will. And guess what? All you're going to end up with is a failed relationship. But to suffer unjustly, you go, it's exactly what Jesus did. And people go, well, Pastor Mike, I can't do that. And I go, I'm not telling you have to. I'm just telling you what the word of God says. Because we're going to spend a lot more time in eternity than we are here on earth. And there's a great reward. There's a great reward for following Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 puts it like this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. It says, who for the joy that was set before him. The joy says, endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can you imagine? It says for the joy, the joy that was in front of him was the cross. It says for the joy of the cross. He endured the cross because he could see through it to the other side. That's what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's being a woman or a man of faith that you go, I'm going to hang in there because I'm going to believe in faith. I'm going to see in faith. I'm not going to demand my own will. I'm not going to demand my own way. I'm going to submit myself unto the Lord. And when, man, when we do that, remember this word, you know, wives that are here today, hupo tasso, hupo tasso. That's the Greek word I shared with you earlier for submit, hupo tasso, to place yourself under willingly. That's what it is to submit. And it applies to both men and women. Rank yourself under. Now, has he called you to do that with all men? No, just your man. If you're married, not all men, but your man. That's what you're to do. And if you're not married, as a woman today, is unto the Lord. You rank yourself under Christ. Look there back in Ephesians 5.22. You know, again, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Why? Because the husband, here's the key. The husband stands in the place of Christ delegated authority. Your husband has delegated authority from God. How would you submit to Jesus? Hopefully you would submit everything to him. 
Verse 23 in Ephesians 5 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. You think about this. So Paul is using, you know, the human anatomy, right? He's, he's giving us a picture of the body. You know, we, we hear that. You go, my husband might be the head, but guess what? I'm the neck that turns the head. You ever use that one if you're a married woman? You go, we do that, you know, kiddingly, right? My husband, he has the final word in everything. And it's what? Yes, dear. You know, yeah, you go. So all those things that, you know, that come with that. But again, what does the head do? The head controls, right, the movement of the body. It's like, you know, we were teaching our granddaughter to ride her bike. And I just told Reese, I told her, I said, Reese, just look at me. I go, all you got to do, I go, you just keep your eyes on Opa. And I go, and, and that's all you have to do. You just watch me and you'll learn how to turn. And because she was like, I, Opa, I don't know how to turn. I go, don't worry about turning. Don't even think about turning. Just keep your eyes on me. And so she got on the bike. So I walked next to her. And then I walked away from her, but I stayed where she could always see me. And as I walked, she just started turning the bike. So we eventually, we were just going in a big old circle out on the, out on the grass on the golf course. And she's just smiling and stuff, but she wasn't even trying to turn a circle. She was just watching me. And so as she focused on me, she just naturally, the bike would go where she was looking. That was the point. It just goes where we're looking. Who are you looking to? Well, the Bible says that the husband is the head. And again, you go, what's the struggle today? Well, you have to go all the way back to the fall in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. You remember this. Remember, to the, to the woman, the curse was this, God said. It says, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow in your conception, and in pain you shall bring forth children. And this is an interesting part of that verse. It says, and your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall what? He shall rule over you. Right there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, two things were birthed that day. Feminism and chauvinism. Right there. Feminism and chauvinism. <laughs> the title, You Can't Make Me. That, that was rooted right there in, in, in verse 16 of chapter 3. You can't make me. And, and you will try to do what? You will try to rule over your husband. Every time that you're in the flesh, you will rule over your husband. Only a woman who's what? Born again and filled with the Holy Spirit can submit to her husband. That's the reversing of the curse. Jesus came to reverse the curse. Amen. So we need to invite him into our hearts, into our homes, say, Lord, fill me, flow through me, and that watch what God can do. And again, when a, when a woman sees her husband as, as delegated authority, that's when it brings harmony into the home. You don't have to fight any longer. You know, my mom, the most powerful word, seriously, there, there was four children. There, I, there was two, two boys, myself, and I have a younger brother who's four years younger. My mom was all of like five foot, you know, she said one inch tall, but I think she was 4'11". It just, seriously, I don't think she was even five foot. And for most of her life, she didn't weigh 100 pounds. Okay. And yet, you know, so we just, you know, my brother and I, we'd just run her over basically, you know, in the course of the day. I mean, she would go get that, you know, they used to give away yardsticks back then, little wooden yardsticks. You'd go 
to stores and they'd give you one. My mom probably broke 7,247 of those on my brother and I. We, we felt like karate kid, you know? I mean, she'd hit you with that and it'd snap. It didn't hurt at all. The thing would just break and she'd look like she hurt us. So we'd just, oh, you know, and, but she got smart. She finally got to a place through counseling. She understood what submission was. And I mean this in all sincerity. And she played it to the hilt. She would look at my brother and I, and she would use these words. She'd say, wait until your father gets home. And you know what? That changed everything. It freed my mom up. She could just love us. I mean, she could just go on. She's like, oh, come here, honey. Wait till your father gets home. And you go, what, what was that? No. <laughs> and so, and she would tell my dad. And what would my dad do? He would be dad. And he was the disciplinary. And he'd go get his hairbrush. And he'd tell me and my brother and I, assume the position. And we'd assume the position. And I always got it first because I was the older. And I would cry. And my brother, like I told you, he would fall on the ground and fake an asthma attack. And he, he never got a spanking. You know, I mean, it's just the, I wanted to go second. But he did. But my mom. I mean, those words, just living in submission to my dad. She said, wait until your father gets home. And we'd talk about that later on. It just freed her up. You know, instead of trying to be something that God hasn't called you to be or to do something that God hasn't called you to do, there's freedom in submission. There's freedom in going, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God, okay? It's not that I'm trusting you. The Bible doesn't ever call us. Can you find me a passage of Scripture where it says, trust in man? Is there any passage in the Bible that says trust in man? No, it says love us, right? We're to love one another, but we're to do what? Trust in the Lord, right? Man, if we could get that down, you know, within our lives. Ephesians 5.24 goes on in there. It says, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in what? In everything. In everything. For what? Like I said, security, strength, protection, provision, just like Jesus is the savior of the body, the husband by God's design is called to be, in a sense, the savior of the marriage relationship. Is Jesus domineering? Is he chauvinistic? You go, no. Is he authoritarian? You go, no. What is he? He's loving. He's sacrificing. He's caring. He's nurturing. All the things that, you know, we love, he is. That's why, you know, God could tell Moses, tell them, I am. I am what? <laughs> Whatever you need. Don't you love that? Fill in the blank today. What? What do you need from God? I am. And I, I can't do that as a husband. I wish that I could. I wish I could tell my wife today, honey, I am. I can fill in the blank. I can be certain things to her. But the great joy, and it is to be a reflection of Christ to her always pointing her to the one that fills in the blank. There is, you know, whatever you have need of, Jesus can be that today for you and for me. And then what a privilege, you know, we have as husbands to be able to do that. And so, you know, as you look at this, like I said, I, I just want to encourage you, you know, you women especially, you know, submission brings peace into the relationships. Again, actions speak louder than words. And so when we do this, like I said, we come to a place where, and what a difference 
What a difference we're going to make, you know, in a marriage, in a home, where we understand, you know, that submission is not something somebody forces upon you to do. By God's grace, he allows us to give that as a gift to one another. And it's not just, you know, men to women, women to men. It's, it's, it's all of us to one another, whether it's to the government around us, whether it's to our employers. If you, if you have, uh, again, employees, it's serving them. You know, Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, it says he took off his outer garment and he washed the disciples' feet. It's being subservient to one another. That, that's what makes Christianity work. It really is, you know, as one pastor said, it's a race to the bottom. The world is always trying to, you know, climb the ladder of success to get to the top. But Jesus said the greatest amongst you is what? Is the servant. Yeah, serving one another, submitting to one another. That's where we're going to experience the greatest joy, the greatest satisfaction, the greatest fulfillment in our life as we do that unto the Lord. And so we pray for you as women. I know it's not easy. I shared with you, you know, last week. I told my wife, I go, I've never, I have never struggled. My wife can tell you, I've never struggled with her submitting to my authority because I understand how much I struggle in submitting to the Lord's authority in my own life. Why would I hold my wife to a different standard? Jesus is perfect. He's never let me down. And I, and I, I struggle at times submitting to his perfect will in my life. And yet God has called you know, wives to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. Because when you submit to your husband as to the Lord, and you become a very, very bright and shining example of who Jesus is. One last thing, you know, I'll tell you, where in my life, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. But one of them that uh, really was a, uh, an interesting uh, growth time for me and my wife was, she was pregnant with uh, Brandon, our youngest, and it was right before Brandon was born. And we lived in East Bakersfield over there uh, by East Bakersfield High School. And there was a building that was uh, for rent right across the street from the school. And I thought, man, this would be a great place, you know, to do ministry. And what could you put in this, you know, this building so that you could reach these kids? I was doing youth ministry at the time. And so I talked to her about opening up a deli and putting it there across the street. And she goes, that'd be a wonderful idea. I developed a business plan for it and everything else. Talked to my parents, went to the bank and everything. And, and my wife said, you know, honey, I know, I know you're excited about doing this. She goes, but man, I don't think now's the time. She says, the timing's terrible. She goes, you know, we're just, we've got, we're going to have three kids under the age of five, all in diapers, you know? And, and I'm like, and, but she said this, she goes, but if that's what you believe God's calling you to do, she goes, you know, then you do it. And I did it. And I can't say that, you know, I mean, obviously God worked in everything, but I can't say that that's what, you know, God led me to. But what it did do is it changed my relationship with my wife and my desire to listen to her, to listen to the gift that God had given me because it, it turned into a, a natural disaster. Um, I won't go into all the, the details of that, but uh, it was just one of those things where, you know, looking back on it, I'm going, man, if I had to listen to my wife, if I had to listen to her, I would have avoided a lot of hurt and heartache, but she didn't force herself on me. And this is that I want to encourage you wives in this is you don't always have to say something because you'll find that in scripture, one of the, the drawbacks, you know, for women, Titus talks about is that women become gossips, 
And, and, and there's, you know, again, it's just not learning to be quiet. And you think, well, that, but it won't work, you know, and you go, no, it does work. I'm living proof, you know, somebody who messed it up. I had a wife that, you know, that stood there and said, you know what? I, I basically like this. Okay, I'll, I'll pray. And I'm just going to believe that you love me, that you love the kids, and you'll make the best decision that's possible. You know the pressure that comes with that? But if you're fighting me on everything, I can't, I can't hear God. But if you'd be quiet, just like God told Moses, right? He said, if you'll be quiet, he said, I'll fight the battles for you. And I know that that's hard, but that's what we need to pray. And let's do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your life. I thank you for the gift of marriage. I thank you for the gift of relationships. And uh, I know that we can get so sideways dealing with this issue of submission. And I pray that, Lord, you would uh, just teach us and grow us as we study your word uh, to grow in our understanding that uh, Lord to submit to one another is always good it brings about peace and it brings about harmony and yet Lord we confess we can be so proud so prideful that we want our own way but Lord each and every time that we submit uh, it goes beyond the words that we're saying becomes the actions and the way that we live our life and it, it does impact people's lives and and so, Lord, help us as a church. I know it can be a, a struggle in the world today. And, you know, what, what's a person to do with all the things that are going on? And we don't think that it would work, but it really does. And we know that it works because you went to a cross. You could have stopped it. You could have wiped out all of your enemies, but you chose to submit yourself. And you suffered the harm that came with that. But three days later, Lord, you rose again, just like you said. And because you live, we live too. And so, Lord, help us to trust you, not to put our hope in man, but to trust you in everything. And I pray for your peace. I pray for your comfort. I pray for your joy today in every heart, in every home. Lord, as we pray in Jesus' name, amen.